Here goes nothing. Baby? Baby? Oh, lemon. Oh, that's sex for nothing. Well, that is a pretty grim assessment. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review Eight Misbehaving Episode BABF03. I am Dando. And I am Guy. A very uh, good day or a good evening or whatever time you're listening to this uh, to all our, all our listeners out there. We're currently recording this on Wednesday the 29th of April at 4.42pm I believe. That is uh, the time I've got, the date I've got. Uh, a miserable rainy afternoon in not sunny downtown Geelong. Yeah, it's good though because it just means that people won't then be complaining they can't go to the beach. That's a very good point. Yes, we are seeing uh, more and more people saying, oh, come on, last few days of summer or last few days of sunshine. Let's get out and, <laughs> just, you know, let's close the social distance. It's like, no, let's not do that. Let's, uh, let's just uh, shut up and stop complaining and just accept the fact that we're doing the right thing and we're doing a very good job of it. I must applaud Australia as a whole because we've done a fucking great job with the self-isolation. I know there's been some idiots out there, but as a on the overall... We've managed to, you know, not completely control this thing, but get it pretty under wraps. And I'm pretty proud to be an Australian, I've got to say. I am uh, also proud to be an Australian at this uh, stage. I've currently wrapped myself in the Southern Cross. No, I have not. But, uh, <laughs> got your tattoo going on your back? <laughs> I do, yeah. I was thinking about going down to the... Uh, are they still open? I mean, are they de- deemed an essential service at this uh, I think at this tattoo particular parlors time? have closed okay. at the moment. I know they're reopening some in the States. I'm pretty sure they closed down ours, though. But anyway, enough, okay. about, enough about the coronavirus. But our thoughts go out to everybody who's... Um, who's struggling at the moment. It's affecting everybody in different ways, but just remember that we're here to try and provide you with a show that can distract you from what's happening in the outside world and and just know that our thoughts and prayers are with everybody out there who's who's suffering at the moment. Well said, Dando. You're a man of ginormous heart. Eight times the size of a regular heart. Oh, wow, what a segue. It leads into this episode. That was pretty... pretty see, you are the man with the talent. Eight misbehaving. I was warned last week that I wasn't going to like this one, particularly if I hated last week's episode so much. And uh, hate is the wrong word. I didn't hate last week. I, it just just annoyed me in certain aspects. I actually really enjoyed Hate Misbehaving. I had a few, a fair few laughs with it. I think there are a few moments of, uh, I guess, cringe. A little bit of uh, a little bit of racial stereotyping. I mean, I'm sure the uh, the whole problem with our poo thing has been discussed on the show previously we don't have to go into it in too much uh, detail in this episode although this is fairly apu centric i think at this point we just need to accept that the character of apu was a racial stereotype as were many other characters on the show it's only season 11 that we're reviewing he stays the same for the next 15 to 20 years so we just need to <laughs> just accept the fact that it's just who apu is at this point in time it is indeed having said that look i'm a i'm a fan of hank azaria's voice work i think he you know does a very good job with it, even you know, despite the uh, the controversy and all that kind of business. But uh, and I think there are occasions when you know this episode kind of steers into that and you know pokes fun at people's ignorance of other cultures or yep. sort of uh, you know dipshit reactions to other cultures, shall we say? That's um, what The Simpsons did uh, did so well, and you, I feel like they don't get the credit for it. Is I know they had a lot of stereotypes in the show, but a lot of the time the jokes were at the expense of dumb Americans not understanding other cultures. 
Absolutely. I mean, you pointed out there when um, Apu and uh, Manjula first show up at, at Shope. I believe we should pronounce it Shope. Yeah. And um, Manjula gets a bit baby crazy when uh, when she sees Maggie. <laughs> uh, Marge is like, <laughs> yeah, baby talk. It's like, that was Hindi. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I thought that was- <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny. I liked that a lot. <laughs> I actually found this episode so much more relatable now that being a parent. It's just I, I, I mean I, I get it. There's a lot, plenty of wackiness in the in the final act, but just the overall vibe of what they were Manjula and Apu were going through with the kids crying at night. I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I can completely relate with this. You could relate to the weariness and the sort of the bleary eyes and uh, all that kind of business. And also the snarkiness. You don't mean to get snarky with people, but you just, you get this, <laughs> like, particularly with the, with us being isolated. Is I see friends now who don't have kids complaining about how hard it is. I'm thinking, you don't even have a kid. You just have oh. to worry about yourself, what you're watching on Netflix next. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the lovely Louise is uh, currently isolated with, with her three kids. We need to get podcast shirts, by the way. It's just lovely Louise. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> That'll be my sideshow. I just basically sort of sing her praises. But, I mean, her, her well, two of her kids are teenagers. One is still in single digits. Um I can, it's a not a hassle, but I mean it's it's tough for all of them, even at that age. But I can I can only imagine what it'd be like having children who are sort of in like the four to eight range, and more than one of them under one roof, not allowed to sort of go out or not allowed to see their friends or whatever. I can imagine it would just be like a uh, like a pressure cooker, just the tension sort of building up. Well, we've, so, we've found um, that Elliot's become. Uh, actually, not Elliot. It's, we've become too dependent on TV saving us from Elliot. So now he just demands television. Cars is his new thing. But only the first 10 minutes of Cars. Cars really? number one. Okay. Yeah, he, wants, he watched the first 10 minutes and he wants to go back to the side again. But we've found that now, because we just need that five minutes, 10 minutes rest, we'll just whack the TV on. But now all he wants is to watch Cars. And when we say no, he's just like, <laughs> okay, prepare for this tantrum. <laughs> God bless you, Pixar. At least he's not. At least he's not watching the first ten minutes of Up. Oh yeah, I know, right? I I don't think I, I don't think I could ever watch that again. It just makes me too sad. But Absolutely, as, as, but it's so beautiful though. I mean, it deserves to be watched. But God, it makes me feel sad. It is indeed. Now that sort of leads into something I want to discuss. But we will discuss it a bit later in the thing if we want to talk about a few moments that sort of make you a bit teary. Oh yes, well, I was I was about to segue into that. I was about to say, speaking of being sad, do you think Matt Salmon hates zoos because he wrote this episode and there was two heartbreaking scenes at the zoo? There were a couple of heartbreaking scenes. Well, I remember at least one. Um... You got the kangaroo looking just horribly sad, oh, okay. just wanting to escape, and then you got the gorilla wanting to, a better life for its child. That was a bit sad. It was indeed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, do, do you think that was just Matt Salmon's way of just taking a dig at zoos? There's a lot of people who don't like zoos. I'm kind. I'm kind of one of them. I understand them. I understand that. I know the animals get treated well, but it's just not all zoos are like that, which is the sad thing. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, you've. I think you've got to take the uh, the type of zoo you're talking about into account. I mean, I think a lot of them have the um, regard and welfare of their uh, of their animal charges at heart. Uh, but of course, yeah, you've got to you know dress them up in. Uh, dress the animals up in cute outfits or whatever and make them do tricks. I mean, I don't know if they're 
so much zoos as, I don't know, circuses or whatever. It's the same as pet owners. I mean, m- most people, when they get a pet, they look after it. But there's also some morons out there that don't treat their pets with respect and just, you know, throw them out when they don't want them anymore. It's the same yes, thing. Indeed. You can't just, you can't say to people, well, no one's allowed to have a pet because, you know, 5% of the population don't look after theirs. Well, that's like saying that people can't drive because, you know, some people drink drive. No, yeah. it's, yeah. I think, we're, well, there we go. That's that's your moral lesson for today. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah. So you saying there was another couple of sad scenes coming up? That well, not really, ones. no. But I mean, I was thinking about um, well, the ca- well, particularly the casting of Jan Hooks as Manjula. Mm-hmm. She's uh, she was on Saturday Night Live for a, for a fair while. She was on with Phil Hartman, and there's one particular uh, sp- oh, like a short film that they did for SNL that is just one of the loveliest little bits that I, that I think SNL ever did. I mean, it's not really, it's not funny. It's not comedy. It's more sort of, it's very sentimental. And look, it probably won't hit everybody the same way. I mean, you know, everybody's got their own sort of emotional triggers. But I remember seeing it ages ago. I think, that well, they did it as a, SNL replayed it as a tribute to Hartman when Phil, when, when Phil died, when Phil was killed. And then when Jan Hooks died, which I believe was in 2014. It's a short film called Love is a Dream. And you can find it on Vimeo. I mean, if you just type in Love is a Dream SNL into Google, it'll come up for you. And in fact, I'm, I'll put a link to it on the patrons page and on the on the Four Finger Discount page. I just think yep. it's really lovely. And I think it's a great demonstration or showcase for both Hartman and Hooks. I think they were both, you know, really, really talented people. Just a, a lovely, friendly presence on screen as well. I mean, sorry, I'm going to rabbit on a bit here, but I mean, I remember ages ago we Something I think my family was asking, oh, who's your favourite actor? And I said, oh, we we're asking everybody. And I, I said, well, it's Jeff Bridges, because who doesn't like Jeff Bridges? Mm-hmm. And I think you could say the same about Phil Hartman. Who doesn't like Phil Hartman? I mean, yeah, he's just one to- of those, it's, it's kind of like Tom Hanks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just, you'd be very hard pressed to find anybody to say a bad word about Phil Hartman. Absolutely. But do you think that's also because of the fact that he was taken way before his time do you think it's sort of it's the legend lives on or, or do you think he just if he was still alive today people would still just be in love with him i think phil hartman would, would have been one of those guys who could have worked forever i really yeah. think he yeah i mean i don't know how old he was when he when he died but he sort of what are you talking yeah but he looked like a kind of guy who was not born middle-aged but a bit like will ferrell in that way i mean you can't sort of picture them as young but the, um, he passed away at the eight, he, he would have been 49, I'd say. Okay, yeah, 49. Yeah. And he sort of looked in his 40s for most of the time that he was in Korea. So I think he could have kept going for ages and ages and just, you know, sort of gone on that way. Likewise, with, I mean, Jan Hooks, uh, you know, she was on SNL for about 100 episodes. She popped up in, in this. For about, I think she played Manjula about maybe six times on The Simpsons. She had supporting roles in other things. Uh, she was on 30 Rock for a bit. She was in Batman Returns. Um, but she really okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll link to love it to I'll I'll throw up a, a link to Love Is a Dream because I just think it's really beautiful. I mean, I I started to watch a bit of it before while I was prepping for this episode, and it's like, no, I can't watch this. I'm going to be a bit of a mess. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's um, that's neither here nor there. But uh, I thought Gary Marshall also played Kid Kill pretty well. I thought, yeah, I thought he was actually hilarious. I mean, Gary Marshall's. You know, probably best known for creating shows like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley and directing movies like Pretty Woman. But yeah, he had a bit of a side career as an actor as well. And he's got that very distinctive kind of hustler kind of voice or, Mm -hmm. you know. A guy who you know is bullshitting to, but you still buy his product anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
he's got very very good comic timing, and 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 yeah. this this is a good showcase for that. With the Simpsons in this episode, so it was mostly focused on the Pooh Manjula, but the Simpsons at times they felt a little shoehorned into the story, but. For the majority of the time, it did make sense, except for me when they were in the birthing suite. I'm like, why are the Simpsons in there? Yeah, exactly. I, I, you never sort of, you never buy uh, the Simpsons and Apu and Manjula as like total besties. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think they the show tries to do that occasionally, but it's like, yeah, don't. Well, even your besties in re- in real life would not be in the birthing suite. Hey, my favorite. What was your favorite moments from the episode? Hmm. Um, well, I'll tell you as a um, as a hack journo, <laughs> I really appreciated the um, the the uh, the reporters basically trying to um, get up who and Manjula to say, "Hey, would you have? Would you say you have a love eight relationship?" <laughs> and, you know, just I waiting been, the soundbite. I have been so guilty of trying to manipulate people into giving me like a good quote. But it's like, have oh, you would really? You, would you say such and such? Have and, you, ever, you know, did you did you ever try and get a scoop? Um, no, not really. No, I was never that that kind of reporter. Which it's why I never was never really a news reporter. I mean, I I did general news for a while, but that takes a very specific kind of personality, and that's a type that I don't have. I mean, I'm not you know willing to knock on the door of you know a grieving mother and say, oh, so your uh, your kid got hit by a car. Why don't you tell me about it? And, you know, tell me tell me what a good kid. Tell me what a good kid your late child was. I remember when I was doing um, some work for Forte, some interviewing some musicians, I was able to get the scoop to get Sarah Blasco to admit that she turned down Gautier for that somebody that I used to Ooh. know, or whatever that song is. Yeah, because she never actually spoke about it and she wouldn't, talk, she wouldn't answer questions. And I just got her to answer it without actually answering it. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> but my favorite moments in the episode would have been uh, Homer saying, this is my cue to exit, and then his head appearing over the door. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I did like well, that a lot. Also, I just there's two other things, two other moments. I just loved Apu's confusion over the banana bread. Like, why banana bread? <laughs> I, I was thinking that when you were saying how you get a bit starky when you've um, when you've got a kid, and you know, I imagine people were like, "Oh, look, what a! I'm I'm sure things are, you know, I'm sure you're feeling a bit overwhelmed by it now. But hey, I made you a lasagna. It's like oh, that's going to help for like ten minutes. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, big big batches of food do help. But it's just like banana bread. I mean, it's, I mean, I get it. But the, just the way he was delivering it of the, uh, I'm sorry, bread. I'm sorry, banana bread. What, 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 what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> and also the crowd booing at the Baron baby. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, just, something just suspending their disbelief and getting into the into the moment. It's great. True, true. And one thing I did like very much was um, all Homer's hackneyed quips and sort of uh, catchphrases from '90s sitcoms. I mean, I think only one of them was really. From a, uh, a ninety sitcom, which was you know, I think he did a Chandler saying something. Oh, yeah, could you he was beam or such and such. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think there were a, a lot of sh- yeah, there was definitely a lot of shows or just a general mood in the mid to late nineties where you had a lot of sort of like hello or uh uh-uh, uh don't go there or uh too much information. I mean every. A lot of comedy had that kind of sing-songy kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah, but that was completely a dig at friends, though. You're right. I oh, absolutely. The exact same yeah. thing because that that was Chandler's catchphrase. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but it's like, oh, didn't need to hear, didn't need that image in my head. <laughs> yeah. Next question: You there eating the paste? 
Now, before we get into today's trivia, we need to mention that this show is brought to you by our beloved $20 patrons, Jordan, Mom and Richie, Christopher Darby, Nick Barbaro and Andrew Zerr, as well as a shout out to our new $5 patron. Here's Mr. Jeremy Murphy. Thank you so much for your support, guys. Now, Mr. Davis, do you want to kick off or shall I kick off? No, no, you kick off. I'll kick off. Okay. My first question is, what does the store wrench, that little character at the store, what does it need to live? It needs tungsten, I believe. Tungsten. That is correct. That, that was a little bit wacky, that scene, but whatever. It wasn't, Dave. Found inside a meteor, the old Allen wrench. The uh, Shope brand that, uh, that well, the school, the, uh, of school supply that everybody hates, even Lisa. What is it? Ah, oh, damn it. Nah, I can't remember. It was one of the pencil holders, though, right? It was. It was indeed Poopli. Okay. P-O-P-L-I. Poopli. What were the two names that Apu gave Manjula and Apu for the little stage play in the car? Oh, Greg. Yes. Apu was Greg. And, and the other um, one, I'm pretty sure Mad Men. I'm pretty sure it's Oh, um, um, Thingo's wife. Betty? Betsy. Oh, is she Betty? Is she? This Betsy, yeah. She's Betsy? Okay. <laughs> great, great name, great classic like seventies name. I d- yeah, I, and also did like that. Who had to wear the, like the Letterman's jacket or the Varsity yeah. jacket or something <laughs> to get into character? Hey, it worked. It did indeed. Um, the name of the pregnancy test that. Uh, oh, I don't know the name of the test, but one of my questions is related to the pregnancy test. What was the name of the test? The it is the P and C brand. Uh, and my question in relation to the pregnancy test is, what is the wild card symbol? The wild card symbol is a pirate. A pirate, yes. <laughs> I love that. No, it's pirates wild. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is uh, slipping um, Apu and Manjula fertility drugs. Homer is, of course, slipping himself fertility drugs. What is the ovulicious flavour of the drug that, uh, that Homer... Uh, was, was slipping, it, but also taking himself. Was it, it strawberry? A, it, it was indeed strawberry. Well done, Dando. I finally got one. <laughs> uh, what is Apu's nickname for Manjula? Well, he's got a few in this one. Oh, oh, so, um, this is the one he says at the very end then. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, that one was Chutney Butt. Chutney Butt. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of going, really? But you know, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. He also called her My Little Curry Face. That's oh, okay. How um, many we? How I, many questions have we asked each other? We've got. Four, we've gone through four. Have you got one more? I do have one more. Yes, let's do it. Okay, then. Four of the uh, octuplets get names when they are on exhibit at the zoo. One of them um, is not really cutting it on stage. She's a bit of a lox out there. What is that baby's stage name? Oh shit! Um, Dazzle. It is indeed Dazzle. She's a locks out there, and she's only got one show to turn it around. Um, but I did love that, that, you know, it was Animal, Dazzle, Punchline, um, the, the, the much-hated Baron, and then the rest. Uh, I, I laughed so hard at the crowd booing at the Baron. <laughs> actually, I, I think I chuckled most at Punchline, who, okay. who, who was actually comedian. dressed almost a bit Seinfeld. He had the sort yeah. of like... Not quite a Cosby sweater on, but like oh, one of those shit jumpers that, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that you used to wear in the 90s. <laughs> My final question is in yes. relation to this episode, but also a bit of TV history that I feel Ooh. you might appreciate. So we had the appearance here from Eddie Munster himself, Butch Patrick. 
Which TV series did he star in after The Munsters? Oh, my God. Butch Patrick was in another TV show after The Munsters. (laughs) That is my answer. I've got no idea. I'll say The the Simpsons. He was on The Simpsons once? (laughs) Pretty sure it was a Marty and Croft series, if I recall. Not HR. Not not Puff and Stuff. Um, Let me just make sure it's Marty Croft. Yep. Yeah, was, was he on, Sig- was he Croft, on Sigmund yeah. of the Sea Monsters? No, but that was that's my favourite of all the Sid and Muddy Crofts. No, this one's called Lidsville. Oh, Lidsville. Oh, which I've heard of, but never actually watched. Nah, it's, it's sort of like the forgotten one, isn't it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure... I'm, look, I'm going to have to look this up, and I'm, I'm sorry for sort of bringing it up without, you know, having information to back it up, although I do have the internet right here. I could probably do that. But I'm pretty sure Lidsville... I mean, all the, all the Croft stuff... Seems fairly druggy. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that Lidsville is like code for something. <laughs> well, it's got like, here. Um, Lidsville's title and subject matter were often interpreted as references to drug use, since the yeah. word lid is slang for a hat or a cap. Um, but lid is also ni- early 1970s slang for an ounce of cannabis. That's it, yeah. I mean, not. I don't know how I'd know that, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> All those parties with the lovely Louise. I'm, I'm pretty, yeah, it's exactly right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he was the main actor. So he was sort of like the the Jimmy of um of Lidsville. Ah, well, there we go. Oh, yes. Butch Patrick had well <laughs> two iconic shows at least. Yes, <laughs> and he still does, he apparently still does the convention circuit, and he dresses up as uh, as Eddie Munster, and yeah, okay, more, and more ca- power to him, more power to him, and occasionally makes a bit of cash as a notary. He's, I got that going too. <laughs> From this day forward, your names will be... New names for this week. Okay, so let me just run through the leaderboard, Mr. Davis, before we uh, before we continue. Before I actually do the leaderboard, I need to uh, to mention that we had a bit of controversy this week. So that last week, we handed the, the victory to Brendan Allen, and his title was what, Guy? His title was 15 Minutes of Frame. Yes, um, which was apparently posed a few moments earlier by one Jimmy Ferruja, and he let us know, and he said, "I don't want to be a dick," and he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't care if he doesn't get the points. But he was just pointing out that you know we need to be pretty prudent when we go through our our names, and make sure that a, a previous name doesn't um, get missed. So what we've done is to mm-hmm. to correct that. We've left the three points to Brendan, but we've also given the three to Jimmy. So that, that means that- the current leaderboard stands with Geroid Gear. Yeah. Gerard Harrahill on eight points at number one. Jimmy goes all the way up to number two for number three. What a spike. Uh, he's on seven <laughs> points, and Andrew Parker is in third position on six points. That's very judicious uh, of you, Dando. I like the idea of you know not taking points away, but just adding points as well. Because, I mean, yeah, look, it, it was that good a title. I think it's worth it. I don't like confrontations. Nor do I. <laughs> That's, this is what... <laughs> This is why we're doing this from separate locations as well. <laughs> so, what's the uh, what's the new names for this week? Now, some some very good names this time around. Yeah, we've we've got a few uh, a few MVPs, a few honourable mentions uh, who are just outside the top three. Uh, some familiar names, some new ones as well. But uh, among the honourable mentions, uh, our pal Honrik Vinterland. Um, my mm-hmm. apologies for you know putting a. An accent on your on your name there. Give it the old Hank Azaria treatment. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I did like his Apu to a Kid Kill, uh, a mm-hmm. very nice play on A View to a Kill, the the old Bond movie. Um, what else? Our man Andrew Parker, 
uh, chimed in he with... Didn't make, he didn't make the top three. Oh, he, he, he did not this time around. But uh, honourable mention for eight things I hate about our poo. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. That's not bad at all. Mark Boston Burgess with the mateful eight. Mm, the mateful eight. I like yeah. it. I think the whole the whole thing about multiple uh, multiple children, uh, the act of, uh, <laughs> of procreation, and just the number eight. Uh, I, I think as long as, given, as long as you fit in eight in there somewhere, it's given a lot of scope to a lot of people. Um, and our man Geroid uh, Harahill with Motley Zoo, which I thought was pretty good. <laughs> it is pretty good. I like it. Indeed, but in the top three, starting with one point, one point to Pat Wright. Pat for, Wright. He um, makes his first appearance in the new names. What does he, he got? does indeed with sixty-four fingers and dolls. Uh, and he was almost, I think he was called out on this. I've, I've forgotten by whom. It might have been by Gear. But uh, someone was saying. Oh. <laughs> well, I love that he's just known, known as Gear now. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. Sorry, get used to it. Um, but someone pointed out, it's like, but if there are eight, you know, shouldn't there be like, uh, you know, eight, 80 fingers and toes? And it's like, well, no, not according to Simpsons physiology. It's, you know. It's four digits. So that yes. adds up to, uh, yeah, 64 fingers and dolls. So, yeah, so nice work by Pat Wright, not just uh, in terms of wordplay, but also in terms of maths and observation. <laughs> so well done. Our man Gear actually does make it into the top three. Ooh, yes. He climbs further away from the pack. Indeed, with uh, two points for something a little bit saucy, <laughs> or um, <laughs> yeah, with Apu's magic eight balls. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's not bad from gear. Good gear from gear. But atop the uh, standing atop the dais, got the gold this time around. The three points. It's Chris Darby. With, Chris Darby. Yes, indeed. With high fertility. High fertility, yeah, that's pretty perfect. That's that's a name that I feel like the Simpsons writers would have gone with. They I, love their puns, they love their takes on movie titles. They do indeed. So uh yeah, top work by Chris Darby. Three points to you, sir. So Chris Darby uh, is just out of the top five, or top three, I should say, on five points. So he's in fourth position. Uh, in third is still Andrew Parker on six. Jimmy Thruja is in second on seven points. And our man Gear has climbed way ahead on 10 points in first position. He really wants that first prize. And we're wow. what, what, what about third way through the season now? So come on, guys. There's a little bit of catching up to do with old Gearoid over there. But um, yeah. <laughs> I believe in you. You can do it. We have faith in all of you. I mean, we're, we're, we've been awfully impressed by, you know, everything that's been... Well, not everything that's been contributed. They can't all be winners. But honestly, we're seeing some incredible creativity, uh, some wonderful puns and wordplay that just makes my heart, my heart sing and my soul soar. So nice work, all can, <laughs> by You're all winners in my book, believe me. All right, guys, we'll be back with our review of Ape Misbehaving just after the break. Yes, it may have been the show about nothing, but Seinfeld fans will get everything they need with our new podcast, Talking Seinfeld, available exclusively on Patreon. Starting from the pilot, The Seinfeld Chronicles, we'll be giving each episode the four-finger discount treatment, complete with trivia, fun facts, in-depth reviews, and more. So if you're up for some good old-fashioned yada yada yada, tune in to Talking Seinfeld at patreon.com slash four-finger discount. Okay, the original air date of Eight Misbehaving was November 21st, 1999. The chalkboard gag, Indian burns are not our cultural heritage. May I just say, before we, uh, before we move on, apparently Indian burns are not our cultural heritage, repurposed from an earlier episode. Oh, is it really? Yeah, apparently it was, um, 
on the... Uh, <laughs> it's the one where Homer gets really fat and ends up wearing the moo-moo. Uh, what's oh, it okay. called? King Size Homer. King Size Homer, correct, yeah. Yeah, now, whether they brought in... Whether they wanted to sort of recycle Indian burns because... Uh, Apu's Indian? I don't know. I mean, you're normally when you know American friends talk about Indian burns, they're sort of talking about Native American burns. We we call them Chinese burns in Australia. I, we do. I was trying to figure out what did we used to call them because I haven't done one for a long time. We didn't say Indian burns. We said something else. Yeah, Chinese burns. So Chinese maybe burns. it's just the um, just pick a racial stereotype and just go with it. Is that what we do? Indeed. I look, they're going all in on the offensiveness. So yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> just roll the dice, baby. <laughs> But anyway, so yes, moving on to the oh, the couch gag as well. Yeah, the couch gag has a little appearance from Vincent Price. He's got Flanders all hooked up to the wall. <laughs> so the episode kicks off with the family at uh, the Simpsons version of Ikea, I take it. It is indeed. Shope. Just quickly, I, I, <laughs> I get the feeling everyone's just sort of like, oh, God, whenever guy says just quickly, it's going to be some bullshit piece of minutia <laughs> or some you know, whack incident from his private life. But hey, hey! The last time you said that, we we got directed to a apparently what's going to be a a heartfelt video with our Phil Hartman and Hooks. Well, so I'm not going to complain. Okay, well, this is more about just guy eats stuff, but guy makes okay. stuff and then eats stuff. But I found the recipe online for IKEA meatballs, delicious, and also the sauce that you get with them, like this uh, very. Oh, nice- so I see. I've n- honestly, I've never been to IKEA once in my life. I just, I've just never bothered. Oh. It just seems like it'd be a lot of effort, but I will go there eventually. But I didn't realize do they have their own brands of sauce? They do. They, well, they've got their they've got their cafe, which you know the the, the show sort of pokes fun at a little bit later on. But uh, their meatballs are apparently kind of a thing that uh, I don't know is is liked by people. But I um and I think I tried them once at IKEA. And I thought yeah, these are perfectly fine. I mean, you know. I am less hungry now than before I ate them. But, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like that with desserts. Like there's a place in Geelong, I won't say their name, but they're D's, I won't say his name, Donuts. And they've just arrived, they do drive through Donuts. And everyone's oh, like, yeah. oh my God, they're the greatest Donuts in the world, blah, blah, blah. Well, all right, so I lined up, waited for like half an hour in line in my car to get these Donuts for Nicola because she just wanted them. And, um, and I get them, get home. And I was like, okay, so I just ate that. It was a donut. It was fine. But yeah. I don't get the fuss. <laughs> donut, yeah. For some reason, donuts is the real thing that make, that you know. You're sort of like, oh wow, oh, oh yeah. That's going to be like the most taste sensation I've ever had in my life. And then you go, it's a donut. I yeah, mean, it's it's just cream and fucking like it's just yeah. it's just a donut. <laughs> Remember the thing when you know, before Victoria in Australia had Krispy Kremes. And you know, oh my pe- god! You'd have people flying back from Sydney where they actually had the little shop or the little stand, and you could buy like a box of twenty-four. And you'd see so many people at the Melbourne airports, like yeah, back from Sydney with my Krispy Kremes. And then I was like, oh, hmm, I'm, I bet they're really good. And then I actually went to Sydney for work, grabbed some Krispy Kremes, ate one. It's like this is a very average donut. This is this <laughs> was, is kind of piss poor. I, I didn't get it. And I had one of the plain ones. And I was like, they're like oh, you got to microwave it first. And I microwaved it and went, yeah, it's no, it's no better. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I should try that. But uh, anyway, I, I made the Ikea meatballs. I made far too many of them. Now there were some in a freezer bag in my freezer, which um, and they're quite nice. The sauce was actually pretty good. Uh, you, have to, you have to mail some to me. <laughs> I, I, 
I will indeed, yes. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, so, as you said, we get the uh, the pencil holders and the food court and everything. They're just taking the piss out of IKEA, basically. They are indeed. I mean, I've got I've got a bit of IKEA stuff in my house. I mean, it's it. <laughs> we get a lot of our stuff from Geelong's version of IKEA, which is fantastic furniture. <laughs> yes, I mean, there's there's the uh, there's a strata of furniture stores that are kind of like what. There's Ikea. Freedom is probably on par, but maybe a little below. Then there's Fantastic, and there's Amart. Is it Amart Furniture? Oh, yeah. I've never been there, though. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I think that's kind of like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Prop, props to Amart. I mean, you've got your stuff, and some people buy it, but uh, I think you sort of have to – it's a hill you've got to climb, or it's, it's something you've got to transcend. Did you notice in the background of this scene um – do you remember Gavin from the episode Marge Be Not Proud where Bart steals a video game? There's that real spoiled kid. He appears in the background of the scene with his mum from the, oh, uh, the season seven episode, Marge Be Not Proud, which I appreciated. Um, but then Apu and Manjula, they walk up to the, uh, to the Simpson family and Manjula is just completely <laughs> smitten over Maggie. This is what happens though. Like when you have a kid, your other friends who don't have kids get all smitten. But then when the, the idea, the reality of a child entering their lives kicks in, they go, oh, yeah, it's good because I can put this one down and go home. I don't have to keep oh, this yeah. one. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That is the, the catchphrase or the motto of aunts and uncles the world over. <laughs> oh, I love my niece and nephew, and I love handing them back to you. <laughs> I do, but Just quickly, I did like that, um, I mean... Homer's, of course, being a jerk this season. Sometimes he's very jerky, and sometimes he's regular jerky. As it's like he's, hey Homer, I mean, sorry, hey Apu, Manjula, still married? And yes, they are still married. Pay up, Marge. <laughs> I like that they had that bet going that these two would split up. But it's, it's one of those things, though. Like you can actually believe that real people would do that. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but Homer's right here where he's like, you know, you can teach them to hate the things that you hate. You yeah, know, they, they practically raised themselves with the internet and all. And this is so saying true. this in 1999. I mean, how how true is that in 2020? Oh, so, so true. Um, but Apu here saying that, you know, this country is dangerously underpopulated, so let's go make a kid. <laughs> Are you sure you want a child, Apu? You know, I do. I mean, there comes a time in a man's life when he asks himself, who will float my corpse down the Ganges? Oh, Hapu, take me now. Oh, Calcutta. At the, uh, let's just say the moment of great pleasure for Hapu, he lets out the phrase, Oh, Calcutta. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, now, uh, little sidebar, Oh, Calcutta was a stage show that was sort of back in the, I think it might have been the 70s or the, might have been the 70s, but I think it was a little bit sort of, a bit, bit raunchy. Um and it was kind of like, if you wanted to, you know, if you're a fairly sort of uh, buttoned up middle class kind of person, it's like, hmm, shall we go see O Calcutta? I mean, because <laughs> I think it had either, you know, racy jokes or even a bit of nudity. Um, Ooh. <laughs> actually, here we go. Sorry, I'm looking it up right now. Avant-garde theatrical review created by British drama critic Kenneth Tynan. Uh, it consisted of sketches on sex-related topics. Uh, debuted off Broadway in '69, was on the London in London's West End of the 1970s. Ran for nearly four thousand performances in London. Um, yeah, so it was kind of the it's kind of shorthand for something a bit racy. So, so it was a big um, deal for its time period. Oh yeah, absolutely. Anyway, you can look up O Calcutta if if you're even vaguely interested. But it's a nice little throwaway bit. 
No, no, I had no idea. So thank you for teaching me that. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. Um, but yeah, so he's uh, he's freezing, he's chilling his loins in the freezer so that they're more fertile, and we get the, the jab at friends and whatnot that we were talking about before. Hey, Apu, sitting in the ice cream cooler, eh? By chilling my loins, I increase the chances of impregnating my wife. Wow, too much information. Thanks for the mental picture. Why don't you tell us what you really think? Just stop spouting those hackneyed quips. Could you be any more? Hello? Hello? <laughs> I do find that pretty funny. I, I found it funny as well. Like, I'm, I know there's some people that watch this. I've got a friend at work that says, oh, that's, there's a scene where Homer is being like sarcastic and just annoys the shit out of me. And I watched it and I went, this is funny ass. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, think, I think The Simpsons really did like taking the Mickey out of that kind of show, though. I mean... I've forgotten which which episodes it in, but they are they watching a sitcom called Don't Go There. Don't, I was about to say yes. The, the show called Don't Go There. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Apu leaves because Manjula is now ovulating. They're doing the pregnancy test, but it, it fails. It's a, a lemon. All that sex for nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> I was, see, I was watching this with um with Nicola. She was working, so I'm watching The Simpsons. That's my idea of working. And even she got a, <laughs> that, that got a laugh out of Nicola. She appreciated that. <laughs> uh, Homer is cooking beans in a can. I love the way that Apu just subtly gets the bin lid. <laughs> very <laughs> wise, shoot, very wise himself. Man. Yes, and then it cuts to Homer talking about how babies come. Decided, babies just happened. <laughs> <laughs> And they've tried. This was this is almost one of my favorite moments. This also had Nicola pissing herself laughing. So Pooh saying, "We've tried every possible position. Homer's on top and underneath." <laughs> it's one of it is one of my favorite gags when someone uh, will talk about you know, yeah, we did it in all the various positions. Like all the what you know, you've got one character who's just like missionary is it you know we're not yeah. doing it. we're not getting more exotic than that i mean i think um i think liz lemon tina fey on 30 rock was was very much like that's like what on top what what you know? <laughs> cute uh tell him he's dreaming <laughs> homer offers some help and this is where we get the the stage play where they take he takes him up into the hill with the like, make make out hill or whatever it's called and they yeah, play inspiration as, point play. or whatever now this situation is guaranteed to end in pregnancy. I'm willing to pay the high school jock, but did you have to cut the roof off my car? Up, 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 up. That's an Apu question. You're Greg. Uh, gee, Betsy, it's such a nice night. Why don't we go all the way? But, Greg, my dad will kill me. And you have that scholarship to Ivy League State. Listen up, baby. Tomorrow I'm shipping off to Vietnam. I, I thought I was going to Ivy League State. My mistake. Stay in the moment. Just promise not to forget me on your dinosaur bone digging up trip. <sighs> and that's my cue to exit. Homer! I just wanted to invite you to the rap party. And that's my cue to exit. I just love that Homer, like, this is my cue to exit. You knew it was coming, but just the, his head slowly <laughs> appearing over the door. <laughs> um, and then it cuts to them doing the pregnancy test, and it's a pirate, but it's the wild card. And then Homer again. <laughs> I really appreciated this next scene. So it cuts to nine months later, and we get the Simpsons running through what they've done for the last nine months. It's just a jab at the fact that, not a jab, but just pointing out how in sitcoms, all the events that happen on the show 
really have no meaning because they always go back to the same at the end. So oh, like nine, nine months has gone by, all this shit's happened, but nothing's really changed. But I really, I, I really want to see the episode of Marge as Sideshow Marge. That's the one I was thinking of as well. I mean, yeah, they, it's Sideshow Marge, yeah, by a long stretch. Then Lisa being the most popular kid in school, but blowing it all by being conceited. Apu, do you still find me attractive? Of course I do, sweetheart. You are beautiful and silky and manageable. You're reading that off a conditioner bottle. That's true, but you still have a... My water broke. Oh, we must drive to the hospital. Clean up in aisle three. Oh, finally. Gil's moving up to the big leagues, boy. My back. Got the old appearance from Gil there, which I appreciated. I'm always happy to see Gil. Gil is kind of my spirit animal. I love that guy. (laughs) Working his way up. Uh, then we have everyone waiting at hospital and we get the, the reveal of the kids, the, the preparation of, we're trying to decide which is the funniest way to, to show you. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually and, really good. Yeah, and as I pointed at the start, I know it was just absurd, the fact that the Simpsons were there, but it, it was worth it for the fact of having Homer laughing at a poo cut into his face, not changing. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I was going to write down the, the names that they gave their eight children, but uh, look, it all went too fast for me, so I'm, I'm sorry. How about I just play the clip? What do you reckon? And then that way the listeners will hear the names. There you go. Oh, what a solution. Then we're at the, 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 the press conference. And as you mentioned, it is so hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. If I had a dollar for every time I'd uh, uh, phrase a question like, would you say such and such? I mean, not quite as obviously as that. And you're not... You're sort of hoping that they'll parrot it back and then you can actually put it in the story. But uh, Do you think a lot of yeah. the time they know what you're trying to do and just do it anyway because you're just such a likeable, lovable larrikin? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if I, look, as I said, <laughs> if, I had a, if I had a dollar for every time I did that, I'd have eight or nine dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I did it far many more times than that. <laughs> but yeah, the press conference is great. I love that Ken Brockman's there and just, you know, getting increasingly kind of, I'm not on trail here. <laughs> And Homer is uh, annoyed at the fact that they're now getting lots of free shit. Bart apologizes for the being an only child, and Homer gives him a cuddle. I've wanted so long to hear you say that. Yes, indeed. Pepsi B, apparently, that uh, is uh, yeah. the, the, the soft drink for babies. How do you feel about this avalanche of free merchandise? Oh, the companies are so generous. Except the Q-tip people. They only gave us three crates. They can rot in hell. But the good folks at Sony. Mwah. Their giant TV will really help us love our babies. I'm here at Shelbyville Hospital, where a local woman has just given birth to nine. That's right, nine babies. Uh, (gasps) Some say eight babies is a blessing, but they don't know the joy of nine. Would you say you're on cloud nine? We're We're on on cloud cloud nine. nine. They even have a better soundbite than us. Nine babies? That's barbaric. Non-uplets? Now that's something you don't see every day. Let's get this stuff to the real heroes, the Shelbyville Nine. I don't know who did the voice for that uh, for that removalist guy, but it's just <laughs> it's a voice that we hear occasionally on The Simpsons. But let's get this stuff to the real heroes, the Shelbyville Nine. <laughs> I love the guy that stole the teddy on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> also, like that the Shelbyville family with the nine babies is a bit more media savvy. They're very much like. We're on cloud nine. Yeah, just going with it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> then it cuts to reality. And this is what it's like, Mr. Davis. Kids just crying all night. I mean, now we're very lucky touch wood, Elliot doesn't cry. But um but yeah, it's um it's a struggle for a few months there. <laughs> My love goes out to all those parents out there with young kids. I, I feel you, people. I feel you. I, I feel you as well. I cannot speak from the experience. I'm a, I'm a child-free gentleman, but uh, I've heard enough horror stories, mostly from Dando. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's one um, happening outside this room right now by the sounds of in, it. <laughs> indeed. But so let's yeah, – we'll race through the rest of this episode so Dando can be a dad. <laughs> uh, Apu was asleep in the drawers. Man, right at that moment – when it cuts to a poo asleep on the drawers with babies around him, he is my spirit animal. I remember <laughs> countless times when Elliot just, you put him down and he wouldn't go to sleep as soon as he started to walk off. I just slept by the by the bed. Just by his cot, <laughs> just fell asleep. Don't even remember going to sleep. Just just fell asleep. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and he's, he's, he's even sort of, a, he's even zoned out at work. He's, you know, letting the kids, uh, yeah, clearly underage kids go out with a, a lot of duff beer. Thank you, still again. Yeah, but see, the thing is, though, that the fact that he didn't care that he was late for work really, as a character, shows just how much it's taken its toll on him because that is such a big deal to him, being late for the Quickie Mart. So, in the fact he doesn't even care just shows how much of a struggle it is for him. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, morning, Apu. How are the little blessings? Oh, they're a ravenous swarm of locusts, just eating and screaming and grabbing and poking and pulling and drooling and do have cradle rash. How do you get cradle rash when you sleep in a suitcase? <laughs> they can be a handful of joy. Shut up! <laughs> They'll fill your lives with... Just shut up! Can't put a price on a miracle! I can't believe you don't shut up! That is one of my favourite uh, Apu lines ever. I think, I mean, I, even if... I mean, of course, I'd seen this episode in the past, but I didn't remember a lot about it, but I always remember... I, I can't believe you don't shut up. I, I thought that was in a previous episode, because I... I I swear I've heard it before, but yeah, it is one of my favorite. It's one of my more memorable Apu moments, I guess you could say. It's one I remember him saying the most. It's uh, just that nice little. Tra- I, I can't believe you don't shut up. I'm just, I'm just frinkyacking it right now to see if it's in any other episodes. It is. It's in the the two. Yeah, so it's in the episode when Homer oh, and Apu, oh, when um Apu and Manjula get married. I this, knew, I knew what? that he said it before. Yeah. This is a very environmentally friendly episode of The Simpsons because they're recycling <laughs> the the board gag and also this line. So, you know, a good joke is worth repeating. Marge and Homer are then in bed. <laughs> and she's talking about how the kids have colic, but she thinks just, uh, just two of them are going along with the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and also Homer's on the viewfinder, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Do you remember those things? I loved them as a kid. They were great. <laughs> but we were we were easily amused back in the day. I remember my mate had the Gremlins one, but I had the Disney one. We like swapping stuff. Oh, nice. <laughs> Homer, you know, he's sterile, so he's got nothing to worry about. But then this is when they take the banana bread. Now, I've got to say, I know a poo gets snarky, and I said that you get snarky with things, but taking food, because I've got one of my best mates, uh, Phil, my best man at my wedding, they've recently had a child, and we cooked up a big batch of um, pasta bait to them and took it out to him because we were, we were Skyping them and saying, oh, has anyone brought any food over or offered any help? And particularly with the current situation, they're just like, no, nah, we've had no help at all. No one's really made us anything or whatever. So I took over some pasta bake. And to some people, it might seem ridiculous, like food won't help. But you know, they when you have a crying kid who is just crying and crying and crying, and you're tired and you've had two hours sleep, there is nothing better than being able to open the fridge and having a home-cooked meal mm. ready to go. So, like, I recommend if you've got friends out there who have young kids, just ask them how they're going and just 
take some food over to him. It might seem silly, but believe me, it really does help. Life hacks from Dando. I knew you had your hands full with the babies, so I baked you some banana bread. Oh, hallelujah, our problems are solved. We have banana bread. Well, you don't have to be sarcastic. Oh, look who's here, the family with one baby. How do you manage? Arch, they've turned into jerks. I'm very sorry, we've been rude. Can I offer you something to drink? No, no thanks. thanks. Oh, Pooh, they're doing it again. Okay, break it up. Maybe you two should get a nanny. Yes, and what would I pay her with? Banana bread? Sorry, sorry. It's just we haven't slept in days and we're running out of money and... Banana bread? <laughs> what the hell were you thinking? Banana bread. I apologize. Apologize again. As a token of forgiveness, please take this baby. Mm. No, March! Again, Apu, my spirit animal, just being snarky. And and apologizing after every time. That's what you do. I, sometimes I'd be snappy with my mom or whatever. Like, she'd offer suggestions. And she's only trying to help. Mm. And I'd be snarky back and I'd go, look, I'm sorry. I'm just tired. But what were you thinking? <laughs> March, they've turned into jerks. <laughs> um, but yeah, that clip of a poo with a banana bread, it's just, it just gets me every time. It is a killer. It's very good. Speaking of killing, uh, Larry Kidkill arrives. Um, a poo doesn't even know who he is. He just wants to go for a drive. <laughs> <laughs> then we get, um, he's talking about, you know, how can you look at a kangaroo and not laugh? Cue. The saddest kangaroo ever. Yes. Oh my God. And it's Joey. They just look so sad. <laughs> Um, and then he shows off the new nursery, a.k.a. the habitat. Indeed, but, you know, don't take it from Larry. I mean, he's got uh, Butch Patrick of the Munsters there to, um, you know, to help sell it. And, you know, Butch insists he, he's definitely uh, not messed up by his uh, his career as a child actor. He got messed up. <laughs> and it was so great how I love the fact that he was willing to just take the piss out of himself. Like, like you're just saying, it didn't mess him up one bit. Apu looks him up and down, still dressed as Eddie Munster. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, no worries. And then he, and then he refers to him as Eddie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's just like people, like for example, um, Sean Hayes from Will and Grace. Oh, he'll yeah. always be Jack McFarlane. You know what I mean? People see him like, oh, that's, that's Jack. Yeah. Like he, he his career's not ruined, but it's like once you're in a position, uh, like once you get a role like that. That just is your role, and it's very hard for. I think it's particularly with sitcoms as well. It's just hard to get away from that character. Like you see, you see Matthew Perry. It's like, oh, that's Chandler. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, that's the thing. I mean, we we of course talked about Chandler because of this episode, but yeah, I mean, look, Matthew Perry's probably got more money than than God <laughs> from you know all his friends' <laughs> residuals and all that. But you know, is it worth having all that money if you're going to have at least one person a day <laughs> say in your earshot? Can you believe that's Matthew Perry? Or, you know... <laughs> could, could you be any more like Matthew could Perry? Could you be any more Matthew Perry? <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um... <laughs> it's like um, the, the guys I, used, I was um, managing, the, the old hosts of Cheese TV. Like, they reckon every day, at least once a day, someone walks up to him and goes, Cheese TV! <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's amazing one of those guys is not in jail for murder. Justifiable homicide, of course. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, shout out to my boys, Jay and Ryan. Um, so then Apu sells Manjula on the idea, you know, giving the, the children a zooish upbringing. <laughs> uh, we come back and Apu and Manjula, uh, they're in the new nursery with their kids and they think it's all going great. And suddenly the kids are taken away because it's showtime. Indeed. It's time to check out the eight wonders of the third world. <laughs> <laughs> How funny is that? 
That's <laughs> actually a pretty good line. Um, and um, yeah, the introduction to the to the um, the kids with their new stage names is is pretty hilarious. I mean, I know you love the Baron, but uh, it's just that it's the visual and the fact that the crowd's just it, it reminds me of a pro wrestling crowd. <laughs> oh yeah, and the fact that they're playing all these well. Great songs, but also pretty cheesy songs, like, you know, Animal Gets Welcome to the Jungle. I think it's the actual <laughs> Welcome to the Jungle, by the way. I mean, the Simpsons had money to burn at this stage. Where they oh, can, mate. 100%. Or Guns N' Roses were in dire need of money. <laughs> Just, <laughs> well, that, it is 1999, so I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, you're probably right. Um, but, yeah, Animal, Dazzle, Punchline, The Baron, and the rest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a poor man jeweler, despite how funny it is and how great it is, uh, they are not happy. I mean, you can understand. They don't want their kids being... Um, showcase like this, they, but unfortunately they can't get out of the contract and Chief Wiggum's just no help at all because he's been paid off with peanuts. He's been paid off with elephant peanuts, a big <laughs> bag of them. <laughs> and, you know, so Apu uh, and Anjula are going to have to take the law into their own hands, to which Chief Wiggum replies, yeah, a lot of people are doing that these days. <laughs> <laughs> some some very just nice, you know, little jab one-liners, one-liners in yeah. there, yeah, some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, really, really. It's this is a re- this was a really fun episode. I really enjoyed it. I, I hadn't revisited it for so long. I just didn't remember liking it, but I think maybe just yeah, like you said, and I said, uh, being a parent now just made it. I don't know. I just I just found it really, really fun. Then we get Homer and Apu breaking into the zoo. I love his burglary outfit, Homer's with the cat with the uh, beanie. <laughs> this is what this is legit. What you look like when you when you used to, walk, <laughs> when you used to wear that beanie to work. Oh my god, it was so great. <laughs> It's true. I do, um, I do have a being a bald man. I do have a selection of beanies for the colder months, um, <laughs> and yeah. But I do have one in particular that yeah that uh, is. I won't say it fits like a glove, because, but you know, I've got yeah, I've got a variety of beanies, and some fit better than others, or some feel more sort of like comfortable in my head than others. But yeah, there's one black one that makes me look like I'm either down on the docks or a cat burglar. <laughs> um, but you know, it's one that just it slides on. It's like. Uh, yeah, it just feels right. <laughs> By the way, can you find a photo of you with your long flowing hair and post it in the patron group? Oh, God. I don't know if I've got many pictures of me with long hair. but uh, I, I remember seeing one with you with long hair on Facebook. I'll have to find it. Oh. Okay, I'll see. Uh, I can definitely find one of me with hair. I, th- I thought it was like longish hair. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. You might be thinking of someone else. Uh, maybe. Did you ever have long hair or was it just, just hair? No, I... I I think my first year out of school, I think I started growing it like in when I, when I was fairly sure that I was going to graduate and they couldn't kick me out. Uh, so, <laughs> well, time to be a rebel, man. I've been towing the line for too long. So I started growing it like at the end of third term or whatever. And then for my first year at uni, I had longish hair, but not even like, not super long, just kind of, it was late 80s long so kind of a mullet not not a mullet okay. but uh yeah it was it had enough length to have a short ponytail oh, that's awesome you were the ponytail wish i had seen that oh god <laughs> no it was it was pretty bad <laughs> the animals at the zoo are all acting different at nighttime we get the turtles swinging from the trees the koalas are killing and eating creatures um, <laughs> and looking pretty happy about it yeah they are i think there's a bit of a chuckle there and then i hope they break in and there's like a nanny there on guard um, he thinks he's given her the chloroform. Chloroform? Is that what it is? Chloroform, Chlor- yeah. Chloroform? But it, instead yeah, yeah. it was and like colour forms or something? I'd- yeah, <laughs> just like little things on the face, little magnet things or whatever. Yeah. Um, they steal the kids. This is where that, that's oh, so sad. The grill offering up its child. That, that it knows was, it's going to have a yeah. shit life in the zoo. That reminded, oh. it reminded me of 
that scene in the the latest Jurassic World movie where with the dinosaur, yeah, standing on the burning oh, dock. Yeah, my god, I just it, my heart breaks just thinking about it. That was pretty sad. And the fact that Colin came out and said, "Oh yeah, by the way, that was the uh, the dinosaur that you saw in the first movie." Ah, what an asshole. Yeah, I know. He's like, that's, that's the very first dinosaur you ever saw in the Jurassic Park franchise. And then you see it, not burned to death, but you, it, you know what's going to happen. It's just... Yes, uh, indeed. It's not, not good for them. <sighs> Why'd you bring that up for me? Sorry, man? yeah. That was, that was not cool. <laughs> um, but then Homer's here. This is getting weird. He drives off. They get the babies home. They think they're safe, but no. Oh, and it's funny because I'm sitting there thinking, don't they have a contract? This, is, this doesn't work. You kind of steal the kids and just get out of your contract. But then Kid Kill arrives saying, you know, we need the kids back. You don't, you don't have any right to do it anymore. Um, they've got a lifelong contract, but Homer says he's going to offer up his own show. It's not just you dancing around in a monkey outfit for a while, is it? It's not now. <laughs> Instead, they come up with the, the most dangerous show on earth, it seems, which yeah. is what? Homer on a unicycle or? <laughs> uh, I think it's a unicycle. Or it's a, a bike of some kind and, yeah. um, and Butch Patrick on his back with yes. cobras or some robots just injected with venom. <laughs> Indeed. And even the mongoose that they send to uh, subdue the cobras, even that takes a bite out of Homer at some stage as yeah. well. Basically, it's like, well, I'm not going to defeat all these um, uh, all these Cobras. So I'm just going to join them. Indeed. But uh, as our Pooh points out, now that is a true friend. So overall, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this episode. I A lot more than I thought I was going to. I think that's why I'm just so pleasantly surprised. I think it's just, I went in with such low expectations. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's not a great episode, but because my expectations were set so low that it's, I thought it was really good. I mean, it's not the best one we've had this uh, uh, so far this season, but... Mm. I mean, if you haven't revisited it for a while, go back and watch it. It's, it's really good fun. And if this has taught us anything, Dando, the lesson is never expect anything good. That is what you learnt this week? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the lesson we took away from this episode. <laughs> Keep your expectations rock bottom and you'll never be disappointed. <laughs> you, and also, you hear Homer's pain over the end credits, uh, until, at least until the names of the, uh, the guest stars come up. I actually waited this time to see if he said anything over the shush lady, but he didn't. I was wa- I was waiting for the Gracie, and uh, now we just got the regular shh. What did we learn, Palmer? Well, we know what you learned this week. What I learned was that, um, yeah, as we just, as we said, uh, Sajo Marge is a short film that I want to see, or at least an episode. I, w- I want to see Sajo Marge. Yeah, get on that Disney Plus. You've already done yeah, play, play date. Was it called Play Date with Destiny? Yeah, which you know transitioned into uh, last week's show. So they need to do more of those. I think that these um these short films could be. I've said this time and time again on the podcast, and Mitch didn't agree. But I think that The Simpsons, when it eventually does cease, I think The Simpsons can live on as short films. You know, maybe one every couple of months, one a month or whatever. Just um yeah. just have people working on them, and just yeah, short little five minute clips of um uh, side characters you don't normally see. No, no, a five minute show on a five minute film on Wiggum or Cletus or. Crusty or whatever, I think that'd be great. I think that's a very good idea. Little little Simpsons spin-offs, you know? 100%. I'm all for it. Make it happen. Call your friends at Simpsons HQ. JaVale! JaVale is here! Ooh! Alrighty, so we had some questions come into the uh, mailbag this week. Mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. Send your questions through and we'll have them read out here on the air. So Jasper Bruce writes in. He says, hey guys, loving the new edition of the show. He's a long-time patron, first-time questioner. He says he's got two questions here, but if you're short on time, feel free to only address the first one. So he says he's been wondering lately how big of a city do we think Springfield is in terms of population. Everyone seems to know each other. 
but it ha- uh, but it also has an international airport and enough street cred to attract big stars. To be honest, he personally reckons it's the size of either Newcastle or Geelong in Australia, but would love to hear our thoughts. So it's funny, whenever I watch, but I think this is the same with anybody, whenever I watch The Simpsons, I feel like I'm watching Geelong a lot of the time. Very I much mean, so, yeah. We don't have the airport and whatnot, but we have Avalon Airport, which is kind of close, I guess. But, and we Pretty do much. get the occasional big star coming through. And when a big star comes through, it's like, stop the city. You know what I mean? But oh, I think yeah. that's the same with, with everybody. Like, everyone sees aspects of Springfield in their own town, which is why The Simpsons was just such a successful show. Mm, very much so, yeah. It's very sort of universal in that regard. But of course, yeah, no, it feels 100% like, well, not 100% like Geelong, but certainly 90% like Geelong in terms of, yes, we do have an airport close by. Yes, occasionally, you know, uh, like a movie will film in Geelong and there'll be like, not a star, but uh, like I think some Chinese-American co-production actually filmed like an action movie. Yeah, in, in down Mallop Street or something, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they shut down Mallop Street for like two days, and uh, you know, so you could have like a car chase and you know, like a shootout. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, we don't have a nuclear power plant, but we do. We did have the CSIRO Animal Research Laboratory. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, maybe we could potentially be the city with scientists that develops the uh, the cure for coronavirus, the COVID nineteen. Yeah, I mean, we develop the coronavirus. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed <laughs> to tell anybody that. <laughs> And Jasper also says that one of the jobs uh, he works is as a freelance pop culture writer, writing for a couple of music websites. So he's just wondering if Guy would have any tips about expanding one's portfolio in the industry and generally just getting ahead. Oh, look, I mean, look, well, I won't say there has never been a better time because, you know, right now the economy is very much kind of what, but there's a big old internet out there and uh, that, you know, there are plenty of sites that uh, are craving content uh if you can't find anywhere that uh, that says eh, it's good for not for us you know our friends at squarespace or wick or wix is it whatever you can set yep. up your own set up your own magazine man i mean that that is an incredible thing to have i mean i'm someone who started writing in the um in the 90s and you know i could have started my own zine or whatever and you know xeroxed it and taken it out to record stores Wow, all your favourite 90s hits here. Xerox machines, record stores. But um, <laughs> but now it is so easy to create your own media empire, essentially. I mean, I mean, listen to, listen to Dando and I, you know. We've basically got our own radio station here, you know. Yeah. YouTube allows you to be your own TV station and... You know, uh, you can easily set up your own magazine as well. You could be your own Rupert Murdoch. I mean, don't be a billionaire tyrant like Rupert Murdoch. But um, I think what... Oh, sorry, was it Jasper? That was Jasper, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What Jasper and maybe also asking about terms of, um, I don't know, their own tone or their own voice. All I can suggest in that regard is read a lot and write a lot. And look, half the stuff you write is probably not going to be that good, but it's just a matter of... it's. Creativity is like a muscle. You got to work it out, and you got you got to work it out on the regular. So, read a lot to learn what you like, or you know, because I mean, I'm not saying be a copycat, but if you um, if you spend a bit of time absorbing the stuff that you like, you'll you'll sort of filter it, and your stuff will come out the other end. <laughs> it makes it sound like shit. <laughs> but, yeah, but t- t- take what they did to be, become a success and put your own spin on it. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, look, one of my favourite lines from The Simpsons, and one that I use all the time, 
is uh, when Homer the says, clock? "Yeah, why don't you why don't you take something existing and put a clock in it?" <laughs> <laughs> now, basically, I mean, I, I tend to I tend to think of that as a metaphor for like, okay, well, I like that person's style, and I'm going to put my own spin on it. Yep. So yeah. yeah, so that's 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 my advice. I mean, uh, there you are, there you are, Jasper. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. Read a lot, write a lot, and when you feel confident in your own voice, and you'll know when you've got there, um, send it out into the world. I know that's the that's the scary part, but you've got so many great forums and great opportunities to do so. You do that, Jasper, and and I will read it. I promise. Uh, we've got another question here. Another question, just more of a comment, uh, observation from Jason Clear. He says the other day he heard Guy. He says, by the way, you're doing great. Uh, hey, thanks, mentioned- man. Mention the cheesecake Texas Cheesecake Depository and say that the name is a play on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's actually a bit darker than that. The restaurant name references the Texas School Book, School Book Depository, which is ah. the building in Dallas from which Lee Harvey Oswald shot President JFK. Ah. <laughs> yeah, just with, there are not many things darker than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but that's probably one of them. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much for pointing it out, and thank you for that sweet compliment. Appreciate it. Now, I was about to read something and I clicked delete by accident. Here we go. I've undone it. Here we go. Final one from the mailbag. So, Braden writes in. Braden says, uh, Hey, Dando and Guy. Been listening to your show for a while now. Mitch was a great co-host and all the best to him, but I do love Guy. Guy is a great hey. new co-host and I love your show. He says, You guys have great reviews and they're always great fun to listen to. He's got, he's got years and years and years to catch up on previous shows. Thanks to keep up the great work. So I just want to throw a shout out to Braden. Thank you for writing in. We do love to hear from new listeners and uh, yeah. long-time listeners who have never written in. So don't don't fear. Write in mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. We'd love to hear all of your praise and all the stuff that you don't like about us. Just just send it in and I'll get back to you all. Uh, yeah. I promise well, I'll get back to each and every one of you. Yeah, the, the hate mail, yeah. The responses to that will probably become either either very quickly, fuck you, or not at all. Uh, but praise, yes, we'll be certainly retweeting that, as they say. Braden, thanks a bunch, man. Appreciate that. All you listeners, by the way, if you haven't uh, taken a couple of moments to give us a uh, five-star review on iTunes, that would also be much appreciated. Um, you don't even have to write anything. Just give us five stars. But if you do write a little blurb about why you like the show, it'd be a massive, massive help to make us uh, help us work our way up the uh, the rankings in iTunes. So yeah, just jump onto iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your um, however you're sourcing this podcast, jump onto iTunes and leave us a five star review. Would be much appreciated. Absolutely. It's the Patreon mailbag time. Okay, Patreon mailbag. Thank you, Mitch. All right, first question, Mister Davis, comes from Pat Wright. He says, "If you could eat eight of anything, what would you eat?" Well, it certainly wouldn't be donuts because I had one yesterday and I felt sickly halfway through it. That um, is, eight, yeah, eight of anything. Look, I'm going to be kind of specific here. Okay. Um, and this is not a paid testimonial by any stretch. I mean, I try to limit my consumption of this, but I'm talking about Maccas here. And I'm not talking I was about... Th- I was just thinking Maccas too for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. I could not eat eight quarter pounders, for instance. I mean, my quarter pounder with cheese is my Maccas burger of choice. However... I think I could probably eat eight cheeseburgers. It's funny you say that because one time Mitch and I had a uh, bet on this show and we put it in the Patreon, um, uh, put it up on Patreon, we filmed it. So it was Hawthorne versus Geelong and the deal was whoever team lost, because he's a Hawk supporter, mm-hmm. you had to eat a cheeseburger for every goal they lost by. Ooh. And Geelong beat Hawthorne by like 13 goals. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
<laughs> I think Mitch got about six cheeseburgers in, and he got the sweats, and he just couldn't do it. <laughs> oh God! Well, yeah, Mitch is a Mitch is a slender gent. I mean, I can I could go I could go out without breaking a sweat. So, <laughs> in I fact, could, I, I think in fact, what time is it? It's almost dinner time. <laughs> I'm getting on delivery Spe- right now. <laughs> Spe- speaking of KFC, have two dollar go buckets at the moment. That's my oh. dinner sorted. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I was for some reason I was just my go to was cheeseburgers as well because they're just they're small enough where it's not overbearing in a sense of size. You don't feel too full. Yeah, but apparently I think it, it was the bread that got Mitch. I'm not too sure whether the bread would get me, but um, yeah, I could definitely go eight cheeseburgers. So I'm not a big Macca's fan, but when I eat it, I tend to enjoy it. But then regret it like ten minutes later. Oh yeah, you always get buyers. Well, no, you, you don't always get buyers remorse after Maccas, but uh, I think you do fairly frequently. Yeah, uh, Mark Boston Burgess says banana bread, yes or no? Depends where you get it from. Depends who makes it. Nicola makes a really great banana bread. Funny story. She actually tried to make it with chocolate chips like three times last week and failed every time, and oh. it really got to her because she, she, pri- she prides herself on being a good cook, and she just she just couldn't do it. It just tasted. It tasted weird, and she couldn't pinpoint what it was. She just couldn't work out what... All she was doing differently was putting chocolate chips in it. And it just... Uh, it, honestly, you couldn't eat it. It tasted horrible. I made a banana bread with raspberries in it. And it was pretty awesome, i got to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, banana look, bread it, is great. Oh, yeah. Look, um, the obvious answer to Mark's uh, main question is yes. We're very pro-banana bread here on Full Finger Discount. But I can understand um, Apu's frustration. What's that? I, just, I thought I sounded like Mayor Quimby just there. We are a very uh, pro banana bread right here on Four Finger <laughs> Discount. I, I too would like to express my my appreciation for that particular bread. <laughs> the man never ate banana bread in his life. <laughs> that, that wasn't up. That wasn't Quimby though. That was the um. That was some guy talking about Duff beer. That's true. Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing up my but, but things. I, I, know, I know exactly what you mean, though. The whole, the man never had a duff in his life. life. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, though, that I understand Apu's frustration, though, because as I mentioned earlier, when you've got a kid and people drop off food, you want it to be a meal. You don't want it to be a dessert or a snack. Yeah. It's like you want, you want big home-cooked meals. Yeah. Mm. Um, Andrew Parker says, what's the best and worst thing you've accidentally got multiple of? Hmm. The well, best thing is when they accidentally throw in, like, for example, this happened about... Getting back to takeaways again, happened about a month ago. Um, they're doing a KFC ten tenders for ten dollars, but they put in twenty tenders instead of ten. Oh my god, that's incredible! Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm always happy when it's like you you get an extra nugget. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> an extra potato cake at the fish and chip shop makes your day, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I think speaking of myself, I mean, I order bits bit of stuff from Amazon or online occasionally, and. I remember I'd um, I'd ordered a, a Blu-ray from this place in the UK. Uh, the date came when it was supposed to arrive, didn't arrive, waited a week, still not there. Contacted them and said, eh, look, I ordered this, I paid for it, it hasn't shown up. Uh, eh, can you wait another week? I'll wait another week, still hasn't shown up. Contacted them again and said, eh, sorry about that, we'll send you another one. That one fine, that one arrived pretty quick, nice. It took about, and then another, about four months later, <laughs> the original one showed up. I don't know where oh. it had been. So, so, <laughs> so that's now, an adventure I'd love to see. Yeah. So, <laughs> kind, of like, kind of like, kind of like, um, Mr. Burns' bad Bobo. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, the thing was, the, the, uh, the envelope was all kind of tattered and shit. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know if it had been kicked around like some warehouse or something like that, but yeah, it, I finally got it and it's like, 
I watched the movie that I got once and, and just sort of shoved it in the shoved it in the back door. Now I've got two copies of this movie that I think is eh, okay, but you know, not maybe, great. Maybe you can maybe you can sign that and then we can give it away as a prize. <laughs> it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird movie. <laughs> if anyone if anyone has heard of the filmmaker Abel Ferrara, who's made uh, he made one of my favorite movies of all time called King in New York. Um, this is one of his other movies, which is not quite as good, but still kind of interesting, called The Addiction. It's kind of like a, it's a weird vampire movie. Do you have listeners? If you want guys' copy of that, let him know. Yes, indeed. Signed by me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not it's so like, much. It sounds like the um, the Sean Connery image signed by Roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and final question here from Talia Enriquez says, uh, would you wear a Pooh's milk vest if you had as many children as a Pooh or just on a casual night out? I would wear it. See, I want to do a um, like a, a, a test of, of um, society. Just say you went to a nightclub and every one of those bottles had some sort of like martini in it or something. You would be a sugar daddy that night. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> I Can mean, you imagine it, just walking around with all these different free alcoholic drinks. <laughs> I'd, I'd never thought of it that way. I mean, I was looking at it in the context of like, oh, you've got a lot of babies to feed. Yeah, that actually looks kind of practical. You know, take a take a hint from our our uh, friends in the animal kingdom. But uh, oh, yeah, it's sort of like walking around like Duff Man with with a with a, a whole wet bar sort of attached to your torso. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, different, that's a different cocktails. Idea. I mean, would, would would you though? If you if there was a guy walking around or a, a woman walking around in a nightclub with different beers or whatever your whatever your preferred drink is, different varieties of that in bottles, would you walk up and suck on one? Um, a woman, absolutely. A man, give me two in seconds, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, guys, that is our review of Eight Misbehaven. Next week, we are going to be reviewing Take My Wife Sleaze. Now, that's actually the first episode where our good friend, Mr. Matthew Schofield, who is still an animator on the show, he's from Brisbane, Australia. That was oh. the first episode he um, he worked on. Represent. It's an absolute leisure. We did an interview with him. Um, if you go back through our feed of the podcast, you'll find Mitch and I, we spoke to him. We should get him back on the show because um, I'd love to... I'd love to get the um, the animators back on. That's what we're going to do. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to contact Nikki, who runs the production. She's a production coordinator of The Simpsons. And um, I want to talk to her what it's like animating The Simpsons and doing all the show from home, remotely. I think it'd be an interesting uh, conversation. I believe that is... I think that would be quite interesting. And I, I highly recommend you pursue that course of action, Dando. Yes, we will, I will message Nikki as soon as we finish this. I'll send her a message and we'll get that happening. Uh, so yeah, Take My Wife's Sleeves, that's the one that has John Goodman. It's where Marge gets taken away by a motorcycle gang. I honestly thought this came a lot later in, in the in the series. I think this was an episode, I think the reason I believe that is because I think I missed it when it first aired and I sort of caught it on a rerun. And for some reason, I just assumed that, you know, I'd seen every episode up to a certain point and then this episode came on and I hadn't seen it. So I just assumed it must have been a later episode, but nah, so Take My Wife's Sleeves. Um, can honestly say I don't remember anything about it except for the fact that Marge gets taken by a motorcycle gang so I'm looking forward to going back and revisiting it I remember a little bit about John Goodman's voice work on it but uh, yes I too and my memory's a little hazy of it as it is on most things so yes looking forward to a revisit and I've just seen that's written by John Swartzwelder and that's always a good laugh so once again guys make sure you give us a, a five star review on iTunes or a one star review now don't give us one star if you don't like us don't say nothing if you love us give us a five star review um, thank you to everyone out there for ongoing support throughout the current situation. 
Um, love you all. Love you, patrons. You're all absolute legends. Uh, Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? And that's my cue to exit. Okay, patrons, we've got little uh, young Elliot here. You're going to do a little interview. How you going, Elliot? Can you say thank you? Bobby. <laughs> you want to talk to the microphone? Say, how's your day been? Really? What did you, what did you do today with, with Grandma? You want my headphones? You can wear my headphones. Take the headphones off. There you go. We'll put these on. What do you think? Can you hear Daddy? Wow. Say thank you. No? Can you say can you say purple? Purple. Oh, well done, sweetie. <laughs> you don't like it? Can you just say thank you then? <laughs> I don't want to talk into the microphone, Daddy. What can you say car? Car? Do you wanna go watch cars? What about chocolate? Daddy. What about our jelly? <laughs> Alright, see you later guys. Thank you, Elliot. Say bye bye, Elliot. Say nana. <laughs> <laughs> say bye-bye. Can you, can you say hey? Hi. <laughs> Good boy. See you later.